everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. My name is Ami Joseph, Sector Head for Technology here at Hedgeye. Along with me today is Andrew Friedman, Sector Head for Communications, and Felix Wang, Sector Head for China. And this is the second half of our interview with Hedgeye's TMT policy analyst, Paul Glencher. Last time in episode 15, we discussed semiconductors and the chips bill and the positives and negatives coming through from those signals and the pressure with Taiwan and China. And today, uh, in the second half of this episode, we visit the DOJ's push against big tech. Where are we with that process? Is it complete? Is it done? Is it past due? Or is it just getting going? Felix also jumps into the conversation and we discuss the current sentiment versus China on the Hill. Tune in. I do want to shift into Andrew's area a little bit. Um, And I'm sure Andrew has a bunch of questions, but like, if I were to just launch the first one, sorry, Andrew, into that area, um, I guess like when you look at the big tech companies and, you know, they're so dominant and part of that is, is revenue and part of that is manpower and part of that is also like market capitalization. Does, which one, which ones, which ones, like if you had to like shortlist it, like your top three that the government's for sure going to go after over the next five years, if you had to guess, like what would, what would, what would that be in order? Like, is it like Amazon first to Microsoft second and Google third, or is that opposite or like, or is Facebook number one or like, how do you think about all that? And, and, um, and then as corollary to that, like, as they lose market cap, as tech goes out of favor or big tech goes out of favor, like, does that a little bit soften the zeitgeist and make the government like not want to go after them or the government doesn't care about market cap and has nothing to do with that? Good questions. Um, in terms of the market cap impacts, I mean, if employment impacts and such begin to flow, um, local tax revenues um, begin to get impacted that these companies pay. Um, yeah, I think that can definitely have an impact, not so much on the legal theories of antitrust and such that they have for going after these companies. Um, I think the, the the regulators and antitrust enforcers that, you know, have a sort of uh, a, you know, a, a real belief that they need to rein big tech in. I don't think they're going to be too much deterred by, you know, near-term downward economic or financial circumstances. I think they're they're committed. But you know, when you think politically about you know what's happening in the trenches, um, if if it has job impacts and and local tax revenue impacts and that kind of thing, um, you could see some political um, slowdown. In, in terms of how aggressively they want to pursue this, um, in, in terms of of you know who they go who would they go after first? They've already told you. I mean, they brought lawsuits against Facebook trying to you know force divestiture of WhatsApp and Instagram. You know, Meta. If I say Facebook, we know it's Meta platforms, right? And and um, they've already gone after Google. They've got an, a case against Google uh, for dominating search. They clearly have a monopoly in search. No, no question there. The issue is, are they doing abusive things to maintain that monopoly? Um, th- those cases have already been brought by the FTC in case of Facebook and the Justice Department in case of Google. Um, and, uh, you know, the state AGs have brought, attorneys general have brought an ad tech case against Google. And that's in federal court. Um, all those things are paid. Now there's various motions to, 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 you know, dismiss the cases and such, but the, the government has already brought those cases. They're out there. 
um, Facebook for supposedly, you know, dominating personal social networking uh, markets and uh, Google for search. And uh, in the states on the ad tech case, there's talk that the feds are going to uh, raise their own ad tech case, antitrust case in federal court, um, you know, dominating digital ads. So that's already happened. You've, of course, got the Epic Games case against Apple. You've got the government already, you know, um, going after Google for an and- Android dominance. But I think all of that's tied up in the Epic Games case, which is going to be argued, I think, in October in the Ninth Circuit. You know, the viability of those legal theories on how they they manage the App Store, whether they do it in an you know, a, a monopolistic way, violating the antitrust laws. So those cases are all out there. You know, Amazon's sort of the the, the big one that we're sort of waiting on. Um, you know, the private cases that get brought against Amazon. But, you know, is the government going to, you know, put together a, a big Amazon case? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, they're investigating it, but, you know, we haven't really seen that yet. Ami, do you mind if I step in? Yeah, go for it, Andrew. I was just going to say, please go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, so... I guess a couple things. Um, the first is relates to kind of social media. Um, you know, what is the current stance on TikTok? Like from what you've seen, how often is TikTok being mentioned? You know, is there any analysis that's being brought when looking at market conditions or market share dynamics with TikTok? I mean, you can look at, you know, Meta's or Facebook's share of total ad advertising spend within social, or you can look at their total share of advertising spend within the whole digital advertising space or within the broader advertising industry. Um, but for something like a TikTok, you know, if you do that because they're under monetized, you may actually miss how dominant they are. And they have a tremendous amount of time spent in that, um, you know, or share of the market there, especially in North America. And it's having meaningful negative impacts on, on Facebook. So, on the one hand, you have like these cyclical dynamics, right? That's hurting these companies. The market share dynamics are probably a little bit harder to see because, you know, TikTok doesn't publicly disclose what their revenues are um, every single quarter. And it's not as public as, say, a lot of our companies are in North America. So I'd love to kind of just get your thoughts and how you're seeing it play out and, you know, what your you know thoughts on TikTok are generally. Well, um, you know, as you know, um, the, the lead Republican FCC commissioner, Brennan Carr, even though the FCC doesn't have any real explicit jurisdiction over, you know, social media um, and social media apps, um, you know, has raised this this idea that, you know, he's, he's actually asked, you know, Google, Android and Apple in their app store to, 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 to you know, basically kick TikTok out to not make it available. And the, the theory is that, you know, there's stories that, that um, you know, employees in China can't get access to U.S. user data, even though it's supposedly maintained, I think, on Oracle servers. The idea that they can still, under certain conditions, you know, gain access to that data. And, you know, the feeling, of course, has always been, which is part of going back to why, you know, we're taking Huawei and ZTE and other Chinese tele- telecom equipment out of our networks is this idea that there's always this risk that they're, you know, going to engage in, you know, uh, espionage um, or cyber attacks or whatever, and that, you know, we just can't trust it. It's all got to go. And um, if the Chinese government, you know, Huawei says, well, we're not going to do that, right? But the Chinese people say, well, the Chinese government tells you, you have to, you have to, right? Um, And if TikTok says ByteDance in China, if they say, 
you know, we wouldn't, you know, compromise um, um, access to U.S. user data. You know, people say, no, if the Chinese government says we want it, you're going to do it. And that's all there is to it. And so I think that's sort of the tenor of the debate now and whether there can ever be enough security, given that we're talking ultimately about, you know, a company accountable to China and Chinese authorities. So that's sort of the discussion going on. Um, I don't think anything is imminent there. The obvious effort is to do something to guarantee that, that, you know, it's insulated and secure. I don't know that you you can fully do that, but that's the investigation that's ongoing. You're going to see proposals, um, um, you know, even originating in Congress that would try to do something to uh, to put pressure on this TikTok situation. Um, nothing is imminent, but it's 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 definitely worth watching as sort of a, a potential policy trend play. Because you know, all you have to do is look at what happened with Huawei. You know, they have, you know, U.S. representatives here who say, hey, we're not we're not a threat. But that stuff cannot be bought. And where it does exist in our networks, we're putting in like two billion already and maybe up to five billion to go into, you know, small telecom carriers here in this country and rip that equipment out. So if that's sort of an example of where this can go. It's worth paying attention to, but I don't think anything is is real imminent now. But the the pressure is mounting, and um, you know, it may be something that ultimately, just like the Huawei situation, you can never satisfy U.S. regulators or the U.S. political establishment that it's totally safe. Got it. And and just maybe bigger picture, where where are we? Where where is Meta Meta currently uh, in in the antitrust situation? And, and these lawsuits that have been ongoing, like, like what's the status of those? Yeah, yeah, there, there, there are two cases. Um, one was brought uh, by state attorneys general, and that was dismissed. Um, that was basically a case talking about, you know, that deal should not, you know, the, the, what's happened, Instagram were acquired years ago, and it all went through, and it's fine. And then uh, along comes the FTC and state AGs in two different cases saying, it violates the antitrust laws. The merger should be not allowed. In other words, taken apart. And the judge basically is saying, uh, we're kind of out of time in terms of, you know, what the states are asserting. He tossed that case. Um, and uh, in terms of whether it's a, mon- and then in the, in the FTC case, the federal trade commission case, they're not so much saying, you know, it, it, let, let's, let's use the merger law to stop this. Um, the deals have already been approved and, and rather than go with the merger law approach saying that it's just a pattern of monopolizing conduct to acquire potential competitors and all this stuff. And it's more of a, a monopolization Sherman section two type violation. That case he dismissed as well. Um, for some various technical reasons involving market de- definition and stuff, antitrust stuff, I'm not going to get into here uh, unless you really want to. But he tossed it. Judge Bose, James Bosberg, federal district judge, tossed it. They, you know, juiced up the complaint a little bit, alleged some other facts, and they got the complaint to go forward. So the case is still active in federal trial court from the FTC. Um, and um, but but the vibes I, I sense from this judge is that he's not real receptive to what the FTC is trying to do here. I think he kind of feels too much water's passed under the bridge on this one. And I would guess it's not going to go well for the FTC. They may still be in court. And they may have survived the second motion to dismiss by Facebook. But I, I think ultimately that it's not looking good for them there. We'll see what happens. But I, I think Facebook is more likely than not going to successfully defend 
there is an appellate court argument coming up in September um, about the, the state AG case, uh, whether that was properly dismissed. But on balance, and that's also before the same federal judge. I on balance, I just I don't get the sense that they're in a they're in a real hospitable environment for what they're trying to do to Facebook. So I would tend lean towards saying Facebook will get through these challenges okay. Got it. And and is there a date on the calendar for that next kind of hearing? Or yeah, September nineteenth, I think. Okay, got it. In Great. in the appellate court in DC, a three judge <laughs> panel will hear it. Okay. Got it. Felix, do you, do you want to jump in at all with anything? Wait, or? I have, wait, I have okay, one before we jump to Felix. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, Felix. Um, Paul, just following up on that. I know um, Amazon recently made an acquisition, um, uh, $4 billion acquisition of One Medical, um, further um, it, putting some heft behind their, their uh, healthcare efforts, um, uh, which they acquired a company a few years ago as well, back in 2018. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, I see that and I, and I just as like a, um, somebody who like studies like the vendor community on Amazon and who looks at AWS obviously very closely and who uh, looks at all the technologies and this and that, whatever, like it's one of like Amazon is like one of the dirtiest out there in terms of like the stuff that they do. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, you know, and like, I would have guessed that like these companies, um, would be like not trying to make any acquisitions right now in the current political climate because they don't want to catch a they don't want to catch like a lightning bolt here like of attention but like what do you think about the government's view of amazon is this something that like they're just like not going to focus on or is this like at some point do you think this company becomes you know kind of like the the multi-headed monster that the government really needs to tackle well, you know, if you, you know, if you look at what they've been saying already about big tech, um, you know, they believe that already, you know, the biggest threat on a lot of these, these, these bolt-on acquisitions, you know, they bought the, 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 I think a pharmaceutical, you know, pill, what was that pill distribution company they, they bought, they, yeah, yeah. you know, we you know their biggest acquisition, um, you know, uh, was, it was the whole foods deal. They just right. got MGM. And I think in general, they don't like them to acquire anybody. They just they just don't think they should. The issue becomes how do you want to use your enforcement resources here, um, and and what they want to do is bring cases where they feel that, that it has the most potential meaningful impact. Um, that's what at least the FTC uh, majority says. Um, you know, they're chaired by Lena Khan, and she's very clear. <clears throat> you know, she's she believes big tech has gone too far and they need to be reined in. Would they go after this? I think the bigger issue, because if you look at it in just a pure market analysis perspective, this there's not a great case for that, right? Um, uh, in terms of you know this massive negative competitive impact, <clears throat> I think the biggest concern is the data. You know, what kind of data are you picking up on people when you do these deals? Um, how do you protect it? Um, how do you use it? Um, and already, you know, the idea of data is the new oil, that they have these these data troves that they can continue to exploit to entrench, you know, competitive advantages, not just, say, in the healthcare field, but across other verticals. So I think that's more the kind of concern they're going to have. The question is, is, you know, what kind of enforcement action do they want to bring against these kinds of, and they don't like them, but you still have to make a the discretionary enforcement choice when, you know, there's a whole lot of fish to fry. So, um, so I think that's the calculation in, in, in bringing, you know, you know, and going forward with the deal. The one thing that the FTC has said, FTC has said is, is look at, you know, there are so many deals out there 
you have Hart Scott Rodino requirements, you give us notice, we have to look at them. If we don't tell you we've got a problem, you can close them. Uh, we may do an additional request for more data and the, the investigation may be ongoing. But at some point, like they did with MGM, right? They didn't bring anything to block Amazon buying MGM. I don't think they liked it. But, you know, they kind of ran out of time when the commission was split 2-2 between Democrats and Republicans. So they just said, you know, we can't stop you from closing it. But understand, if we keep looking at it, we decide we think it's anti-competitive, we'll just sue to break it up. So we may not say anything. You may close your deals. But just be on notice that at any time we decide we don't like it, we'll sue you. So don't don't assume you can go to bed thinking everything is fine from here. And I think that's sort of the message because they're just overwhelmed with these kind of deals, um, and and um, you know they they're they're basically uh, keeping their powder dry. I think as time progresses, like you know, would they really go after Amazon MG? They said they could, but I think increasingly it gets tough for them to you know to to look back and think about doing stuff like that as companies integrate and move forward. Yeah, awesome, awesome answer, awesome perspective. Um, especially the part about data. I, I, you're right, absolutely. That's really kind of like in the past, at least how Amazon has abused their position um, is is with data um, and using that against uh, people in um, situations where those people would not have shared their data if if they knew that Amazon would use it against them. Obviously. Um, Felix, I'm sorry that I, I interrupted and stepped in there, but I know you have a bunch of questions and, um, uh, and you know, obviously Andrew and I may jump in as well to ask on top of your questions and alongside, but um, do you want to come in and, and give us, throw some stuff at Paul? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Paul, Paul, for doing this. Uh, really appreciate your insights. I just have a couple of quick questions. The first one's on Huawei. So uh, I was wondering if the worst is over for Huawei. Obviously, the 2019 sanctions from the U.S. really hurt the company. But I also heard the DOD is, is kind of reluctant to place a lot more restrictions on this Chinese telecommunications giant. Uh, obviously, there was some <clears throat> investigation on Huawei a few days ago on military intel. But generally, do you think the worst is over for Huawei uh, as it relates to U.S.-China relationships. That's the first question. Second question I have is um, what's going on with um, in terms of sentiment among uh, basically congressmen that, that, that you've been in contact with regarding China? I know the, uh, the bipartisan American competes bill is going to get passed, but <clears throat> seems like some of the worst restrictions against China or Chinese companies were actually left out of that bill. So I wonder if um, you know some members of Congress may believe that collaboration with China versus against China is a better step forward, or maybe I'm just thinking too much about right. this. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, for, first, with respect to Huawei, um, I don't know that the worst is over. Um, I, I I think that that the, the sort of the more overt attacks, policy attacks against Huawei, ZTE, and such, maybe we're past that in large measure because you know the the U.S. Carriers aren't using their equipment, and they're like I said, they're funding their their rip and replacement. Uh, you know, taking that equipment out, replacing it in smaller networks that have already used Huawei equipment. Um, and and actually, the carriers will tell you that on a sort of cost and quality basis, it's great. They like it, but you know, they're being told it's got to go. So um, I think that the sort of the more overt 
sort of approach to it has, has you know, we've pretty much uh, um, done that. The bigger issue is a policy thing. I've talked a lot about, you know, this open radio access network stuff, which is an attempt to try to have, you know, a, a multi-vendor community um, providing solutions for radio access equipment and such as a, in a way to, to sort of offset any reliance on complete access solutions from companies like Huawei and to, to not just, you know, push that here, that kind of um, open access multi-vendor technology approach for, for networks, but to, to sort of make sure that that's the policy, you know, globally, which is a general sort of broad uh, geopolitical attack on Huawei as well um, outside the United States. So um, I think that's ongoing, in, in, but I think it's taking sort of that sort of uh, approach now. In terms of uh, the U.S., you're right. The, there was stuff in the the USICA bill, the, the the China competition bills that could have been more aggressive that are not in there. In fact, Rob Portman, Senator from Ohio, sort of hinted he had a problem because he thought there was, for example, provisions in there to make sure that any uh, research that's subsidized, uh, technology research that's subsidized through the legislation, that there'd be an affirmative obligation on U.S. academic researchers to advise when foreign researchers might gain access to some of that research and to prohibit that, um, you know, that kind of thing, or at least impose obligations where it's easier to monitor and track where there might be some sort of security risk. That didn't get into the bill. That was original in the bill, but it was taken out. So, and the reason they didn't put it back in is I think a lot of lawmakers say, look, it, we've got a couple more days before the recess to get this done. There's a lot, there's potential problems, including ensuring that there's no security risk vis-a-vis China. Uh, with, well, we don't want to subsidize something and something we're subsidizing ends up in China. We don't want that. And we need protections against that. They're, they're committed to that. I don't think there's any question. The feeling though, is that if they open up and start debating a lot of this stuff, in an effort to try to shore that aspect of the legislation up, the legislation gets tied up. It doesn't get to the president's desk by the end of the week. And the deal is, let's just get it done. And if there's other things we need to go back to, let's start thinking about that. Um, we'll see if they do. But it's definitely high on their sort of policy priority list. Awesome. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess like, you know, just to, just to sort of add on to that, though, like, um, you know, from your from your sense today, like let's say like a company like Alibaba started competing more with like U.S. tech giants, like more like here in the United States and such. And, um, you know, do you think that like do you think in the current climate that that would get like lightning rod and legislation and, you know, kind of like big talking points? Or do you think that maybe that in the current, you know, environment, obviously things could change, but like that, that would actually kind of like just be viewed as healthy competition. Well, I, I, I think, um, you know, there'll be those who argue it's healthy competition. I think that the political climate, you know, does make that pretty difficult, you know, because the, the, the question it always comes back to is, is who ultimately has the power to control Right. I mean, I'm I, I'm not a, an, an expert on, you know, all the, the background and dynamics involving Alibaba. Um, but, you know, and I think the the U.S. chairman of the company, right, owns the Brooklyn Nets. Is that right. Um, but Joe Tsai. But I, I think that the, the concern is always, you know, ultimately, is there sort of 
are they beholden to the Chinese government? And if they are, you have a problem. And particularly when it comes to gaining access to data, because all of this stuff is customized, data-driven types of transactions um, across millions of consumers. And, you know, there's, there's, as you can just see with TikTok, you know, there's a real, real concern about where it all can lead. So, I mean, that's the, the overall question. And if there's a resolution of that, some acceptable solution to, to that, how you segregate data, you protect it, et cetera, then, you know, then things can, can open up a bit, but, but that's always the question. And when do people have enough, you know, security and, 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 uh, faith that, uh, data is protected. Awesome. I, I'll, I'll throw like one last in for me. And then, you know, Andrew Felix, if you guys have another one, you can throw in, otherwise, you know, we can wrap, but, um, Paul, you've always had a really, really good, as far as, as long as I've known you, which is seven years, um, you've always had a really, really good handle on Qualcomm and like, kind of like in your mind, like what's the latest there? Are they, um, is there more, you know, ahead with Ericsson versus Qualcomm and Apple versus Qualcomm and, and others and, and kind of like, what are you following there that, um, if anything at all, I don't know if you're following, following it at all, but, um, any sense of like how Qualcomm's, you know, kind of like, uh, court many many years of court battles and and uh, and efforts there, like how that sits right now on a forward basis from an intellectual property zone. Like, is that something you think is like all behind them and it's 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 clear skies, or do you think that you know with Qualcomm, you know, there's always another thing around the corner? Well, I mean, the the, the big big antitrust global battles they've done quite a bit to finally get past that. I mean, you remember how the thing was just mired in like the 40s to the 60s, and then they got past that, and you know now the range is you know what the 140s to 180 or something. So it was a big lift just getting past that and winning all the way up to the Ninth Circuit, the antitrust case that the FTC had brought. So a lot of that big big heavy lift stuff has been done. And of course, the company is focusing more on things beyond just, you know, iPhones and such. Uh, you know, uh, they got a little bit of a lift and there's some thinking, right, that 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 even though um, Apple bought Intel's, um, you know, modem chip business, that they're still not ready to replace the Qualcomm chip yet and that that's a plus, but that they're diversifying into, every, you know, autos and IoT and everything else. So um, that's sort of where they're going. The one thing that's going on that it's under the radar as of now, but but it's worth watching, uh, particularly if uh, over the next couple of years and beyond, if the Democrats can hold on um, post the 2024 election, which is uh, to the administration, which is this this Fran policy. You know, generally, you know, if if your standard if if your technology is incorporated in industry wide standard. Um, it's a built-in market if you're part of that standard, but you have to agree to license on fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory terms. You can't sort of exploit, you know, this sort of um, standard-granted monopoly uh, and make it unusable by, you know, charging extortion-level licensing fees. But they don't set the licensing fee. So in the Trump administration, it's sort of been, hey, you know, if you got a problem, you, it, it's a contract concern. It's not an antitrust concern. But lately. You know, they've reversed that and and gone more in the way of saying, no, no, it can be an antitrust competition problem if you're not reasonable in how you license when you've uh, agreed to be part of an industry standard. And Qualcomm's in a lot of that stuff. And so I think that that is potentially a bit of a an area where we, we could see 
uh, more uh, regulatory battles and even government fights over how Qualcomm does licensing. But at this point, it's more of sort of a policy adjustment in process. And, and we haven't yet seen, you know, a, a sort of a final policy statement from the Justice Department, how they want to deal with that. But there's no question that what was an incredibly favorable pro IP, you know, holder type environment is, is less so, and that that could manifest itself in certain ways going forward. Um, they're definitely revisiting that. And that's, that's sort of an ongoing headache that they're going to have to deal with. Got it. So, and so they'll have to be like, as we gear up for getting past the 5G battles and into the 6G battles, that'll, that whole thing will, that door, Pandora's box will open up again um, for Qualcomm to deal with. Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it could, but I mean, you know, the big, big, big antitrust problems that they had, they, they've been pretty successful at getting past those. Got it. Yeah, it's true. And you had some great calls on those. Um, I remember we got in the studio talk about it and, and oh were, i remember that yeah, yeah and you were like qualcomm is going to win and you were like you were so definitive and it's like nobody else was willing to say that and of course had a huge impact on the equity as well um well i really appreciate um your time today oh sorry felix andrew i don't know if you guys want to chime in with any last questions no uh, paul what do you think about the 49ers <laughs> he's um, always going to say good things and bad things about the Patriots. It's not no, even a no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Patriots are fantastic. You know, Tom Brady, who's only great because he grew up as a 49ers fan. Oh, come but, on. but, um, you know, no, I, I, it'll, I think they'll do okay. I'm everyone's interested to see how this guy, Trey Lance takes over the quarterback role. He's got a rocket arm. So the Niners actually can, mm-hmm. can play a deep game, uh, for a change. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works out. So uh, I'm excited. We start against uh, Chicago in Chicago. Should be fun. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Did, did they get rid of our spy yet though? Did you guys get rid of our spy? <laughs> did you send Garoppolo back to us yet? I mean, he's like, you know, he was all his whole mission there was just to kind of sort out what you guys were doing and yeah. send over yeah. the playbook. Yeah. I don't know where Jimmy's going to end up. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's been a great teammate, you know, the, the, the fans and the teammates, they love the guy, but they're, they're, they're moving on. So we'll see where he ends up. A lot of rumors about where he'll, he'll end up. Like the cover of Playgirl magazine or. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, didn't he date porn stars? I'm not something, sure. Something, something, yeah. something. He's yeah. like the best looking man in football or something. Is it? He's yeah, that's, that's, that's what they say. Jimmy G. That's why they call him uh, Jimmy GQ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Paul, really, really appreciate your time today. Um, Really appreciate all the insights. Um, This is always the stuff that like as analysts, you know, we we just literally can't get right because it requires like an ocean of years of experience of like sifting through laws and court decrees and things like that and understanding what it means and the implications. And it really is the kind of stuff that like it's like the the classic like risk happens slowly, slowly, slowly. And then all, you know, and all at once. Um, so I really appreciate no, happy to, happy to do it. We, and there's other, I'm happy to come back and let's do it again sometime. You know, you've not just got that uh, Facebook argument. You've got the what looks like the Apple antitrust Epic Games litigation appeal happening in October in the Ninth Circuit. You got this Twitter trial that's going to happen in October, and there's all sorts of stuff that's going to be going on. And you know, I'm happy to to uh, to join you and uh, and chat through that stuff. Yeah, thanks. I mean, especially in in the software as a service space where you have all this like, you know, we've been in like this happy time over the last decade plus of growth of SaaS and cloud where everybody could just 
you know, stay in their swim lane and, and kind of be really happy and focused and, and produce, you know, product and whatever and partner for all the other pieces. And now the budgets are going sideways and, and not even down yet. Or even there's just like the hint that budgets are going to go sideways. Right. All these companies are launching because they can take their product and pivot it into their neighbor's backyard. They're fighting. They're going and everyone who was once their friend is suddenly now their number one enemy. And it's, it's like it's all over the place. So there's going to be a mess of stuff over the next two years in this area. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to need your help to figure it out. Yeah, And one last thing, don't forget the, the Federal Trade Commission has been considering regulations that would directly uh, affect, um, you know, digital advertising and the use of, uh, you know, how user data can be, uh, you know, built into targeted ads and that kind of thing. They're, they're, they're probing doing something in that area too, as a matter of rulemaking. And, uh, and that, could, that could have a big impact on those uh, digital ad companies. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. So point. there's plenty, there's plenty um, happening here. So I, yeah. I think there'll be plenty of opportunities to talk about it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. You got it. Um, well, right, well, that's, uh, that's a wrap for today's uh, episode. And uh, thanks again to Paul Glencher and uh, hope to speak to you again very soon. Thanks. My pleasure. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.